When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. My name is Taylor Eland, and I host a show called Just Think, where I look into philosophy, theology, and other scientific ologies to figure out the underlying workings of an argument. If you would like to learn something new every week while getting both sides of a theory, go ahead and check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, and Google Podcasts, along with various other networks on Sundays. gamers and welcome to Budget Arcade, a free-to-play gaming podcast to help you navigate through the growing realm of free-to-play games. I'm Scott. I'm Jeff. And unfortunately, I'm Cody. And welcome to episode number nine. Uh, so, nine episodes. Why are you exhaling so heavily already? You know why. <laughs> we haven't yeah. even started reviewing the game! Yeah, and that, that should be a good indication. <laughs> Well, you know, this game has lots of uh, enemies in it, like goblins and, and, and jellies and trolls. And speaking of trolls, Ogres. Cody, what are we playing this week? God, I think Jeff's trolling us because we're playing Brogue. B-R-O-G-U-E. It is a roguelike game developed by Brian Walker. Um, according to Jeff, it's got a, uh, a pretty hardcore following uh, in, the, in the roguelike community, but... Uh, the 12 of us that yeah. like it are pretty <laughs> hardcore about it. Pretty much. So uh, I guess let's jump into what little gameplay there is. Let's hit it. God. <laughs> and there's not a little bit of gameplay. All right. I'll take over from here because you guys are going to poo-poo the game. Oh, you damn right game. I am. Don't listen to Cody and Scott. Well, I don't know how Scott feels, but I know Cody, he, he doesn't have any sort of, I don't know the word. He doesn't have whatever it is I'm thinking of. Now, I like roguelike games, but I didn't like this one. Okay, you like the modern sort of roguelike. You like a you like a Binding of Isaac. You like a Enter the Gungeon. You like a Dead Cells. Flintlock, all that good but stuff. Those, those are all really good games. Yeah, those are not really roguelikes. What those are... What? Are, How are those not roguelikes? They are... Okay, here we go. All right, I'm ready. <clears throat> a roguelike is a turn-based grid game similar to Rogue. So the reason it's called Roguelike is there's a game called Rogue. And Rogue is a turn-based... The graphics are all ASCII, so it's symbols and numbers and letters. And it's black and white because it's usually played in like a DOS console. And you move your character around and you fight monsters and you get gear and you level up and the floors are always randomly generated the items are randomly generated which sounds familiar but the one constant in true roguelike games is that they are turn-based and they are grid-based and it's top down 
so you've got Rogue, Brogue, NetHack, Dungeon Crawl, Stone Soup. There's tons of them out there. Uh, Tales of Majael. Those are roguelikes. In a tradi- those are a traditional roguelike. You've probably heard the term roguelite, and that's basically where the games you're talking about fall. Enter okay. the Gungeon, Binding of Isaac, Rogue Legacy. And I apologize. And I love I may, those games. I I'm not snooty. Or, that's my bad. Yeah, I'm not snooty or uppity about it, but they are not what you would consider a true roguelike. This is a true roguelike. So if you didn't like this, you probably don't like true roguelike games. But I know Scott has played... Um, Help me, Scott. Shattered Pixel Dungeon. Pixel Dungeon and Shattered that Pixel Dungeon. That is a true roguelike. What was the other one you played? Shattered Pixel Dungeon. Okay. So those That's are true roguelikes. That's the one that you got me into mostly, though, because you said that one was a little bit easier than regular Pixel Dungeon, which it is a bit easier, but there's some aspects of it that the original like had that this one didn't, and I liked that better. Yeah. Okay, so... If anyone listening has played a traditional roguelike, you kind of know what to expect. The reason I picked this one and the reason it is my favorite is because the interface and the controls are actually, compared to other roguelikes, are, it gives you more information up front. On the left-hand side, you see all the enemies and their, their health. You see uh, what status they're in. So... If you saw my first play, there were a couple things I just one hit. And that's because I could tell that those characters were uh, sleeping. So I was able to sneak up to them and attack them while they were asleep. I could tell whether they're hunting me or if they're just kind of wandering around and not aware of my presence. So the way you play the game is you control your character with the number pad. And so you move in eight directions and so your seven, eight, nine, four, six, one, two, three. That's how you move around. And then five is the wait key. So if you have a if you need to wait a turn for an uh, enemy to get closer, so you can do whatever you need to do. That's what you do. You attack by what they call bumping. So you hit the key that is in the direction of the enemy you want to f- attack, and that does a bump and does damage. You can easily see how much damage they have left. The other thing about traditional roguelikes is there's usually an identify system. So as you're picking up your scrolls, as you're picking up your potions, you don't know what they are. So you have to either drink them or read the scrolls. Uh, And one of the scrolls you will uncover usually pretty early on is an identify scroll. And you can use that to identify your equipment, which may or may not be cursed, may have stat bonuses or if it's cursed, you're you're stuck wearing it until you get a scroll of enchantment to uncurse it. All right. So anyway, they the game is 25 floors. Um, and you go all the way down fighting all kinds of monsters. They get progressively harder and harder until you get to the 25th floor and you get the amulet of Yendor. Once you have that amulet, you have to leave the cave or leave the dungeon. So you scale all the way back up. The game is impossibly hard, but that goes with the genre. Uh, The other thing is the graphics are what you call ASCII. However, these are not true ASCII. Graphics. (laughs) Well, go back and play NetHack. Go download NetHack and tell me what that these are graphics or not. So these are actual tiles. And you'll see, like if you see lava, you can tell it's lava because it's orange and it glows. And the water is blue and you can see how deep it is. Uh, you can tell the status of characters just by looking at them. Um, so there's a lot of detail there. So if someone were to say, hey, I want to try a traditional roguelike, this is the one I recommend because it is the most like a traditional roguelike while still being accessible uh, to someone who's willing to give it a shot. All right. So is it my turn to poop all over this real fast? <laughs> you may go ahead and uh, take your bowels Are you going to poop on now. the gameplay? A little bit, yeah. Alright, so I will rebut. Alright, so starting off, I downloaded this game. Not a big deal. Opened it up. For some reason the resolution was way higher than it should have been, so the screen size it took me probably about thirty minutes before I figured out how to decrease the screen size and I apologize, this is I don't normally play on PC, so this is probably my fault. 
but I didn't realize how, like, I started playing, and I'm like, okay, what what is going on? Like, I, I feel like I'm missing a lot of the key aspects. I couldn't actually read the text at the bottom of the screen that was coming up because the screen was too large. So I finally figured out, I was like, okay, so that makes sense. Let's see if this gets any better. It was still very, very hard. Um, once I figured out how to decrease the screen size, which again, took me 30 minutes. Um, but... Or you could have texted your boy. I'd have told you. Uh, I wanted to try to, I was too proud. I wanted to figure it out on my own. Anyway. So, uh, I started off and I was like, okay. It, t- it took a little bit to figure out this, the, uh, the layout of the, the dungeon. And, okay, I, I, then I started realizing, okay, the asterisks are the... Uh, walls and I can move through this this limits my my vision whatever and I also did not know that you could use the uh, number pad to move around I was using the <laughs> I was pointing and clicking on everything so that might have been part, part of my problem um, so I was using my mouse the entire time so I would move and I would just like hope an enemy wouldn't run into me um and that usually didn't happen. Uh, and I would get obliterated. I think the farthest I made down was like four or five floors. And I just got decimated every time. And like we talked before, there's a really fun enemy called the uh, the Pink Jelly. And every time you hit it, it splits into two. Which is really fun. Especially when you get completely surrounded. And then you can't move. So you have to defeat them. And then by the time I could get away from it, it's... Uh, I was, like, at uh, a quarter health, or I died. So, yeah, that was fun. And then I didn't know what the items were, and I started drinking random items. And there's one well, that's yeah, called that's the... Part of the... gameplay, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But there was one, I was like, oh, yeah, this, this is the Potion of Disappearance. I can go down the floor and get away from this. It'll be fine. I drank the Potion of Disappearance to get one away from one of these pink jellies. I fell and I died. I was I was a little more than upset. I think it actually disappears the floor underneath wherever you throw it, and that's probably what happened. Yeah, that's not the invisibility potion. That's the potion of descent. Descent. That's what it's called. The potion of descent. Yeah, I used that thing, and it it killed me. I was I was very angry. But yeah, this game is super super hard. <laughs> I will point that out. It is. Yes. Very tough. That I agree with. As much as I love it, I've yet to beat it. Now, I've gotten down to about floor 17 or so, and a lot of times I'm getting carried by my items, similar to a game like Into the Gungeon, where I'll I'll identify the good potions, the important potions, and uh, scrolls right out of the gate. Uh, you can get pets in this game. So I found an ogre one time. So what happens is while you're descending, you'll find uh, various events, so to speak, And a lot of times you'll find these prisoners that are being held. So you go into the room and you slay the monsters and then you can go up and free the prisoner and then they befriend you. Are you serious? And I got an ogre one time. Yes. And I got an ogre one time who's already super powerful, but then you have these uh, scrolls you can find that you can use to level up your allies. And so I had this monstrous ogre fighting with me as I went down uh, into the into the dungeon, and that's how I ended up getting there. So I mean, it's a much like other roguelikes that you've played, Cody. When you first picked up into the dungeon and Isaac, you're probably getting slayed first, second floor, right? I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. I was getting. To, I, I think the I think it took me probably well, probably about seven or eight runs before I could actually get past the first level of Enter the Gungeon, it, like consistently. What did you think, Scott? So. When I first opened it up, I'm like, what is this? What has he gotten us into? Um, I, I, I streamed my second play, and uh, Coconut Wizard was watching me at the time. And it is it is definitely very similar to the other roguelikes that I've played, um, but this one is so much harder. Um, for example, like Shattered Pixel Dungeon, I've actually gotten all the way down to the bottom gotten the amulet of yondor and then made it all the way back to the top i've sent jeff a couple uh, screenshots of me doing it and you've gotten further on that game than i've ever gotten yeah but this game i could not get past the third level of the game at all period um and And was it probably that got you to 
Yes, a pink jelly did get me at one point in time, and then another time I picked up an item, and then the floor started caving in around where I was at, so I fell oh, yes. on that. That was so fun. Not really. There's items and traps in these dungeons that you can find. Sometimes you have to find a key, or uh, if you trigger a trap, I, I don't know if you noticed, you can throw items. So No, I didn't you, realize that. So, like, if... Yeah, so if you see a room of, like, filled with enemies, but you also see, like, a caustic trap on the ground, you can just throw something at that tr- that trigger, and it'll hit the trap, and then all of a sudden, that room will fill with caustic gas and do tons of damage to those enemies. So, that's kind of what, why I like this game so much, is because even though you guys are getting slayed by pink jellies, I don't sweat pink jellies anymore. Because it's all about positioning. What you need to do... If you see a pink jelly and you're in a wide open area, you need to flee. Um, This is a game where sometimes it's just better to live than to try to fight something head on. Uh, You have to... Like, so those pink jellies... One sec. So those pink jellies, what you want to do is walk backwards, find a hall. So that at the most, you have to worry about two jellies. So you have one on your left and right or top and bottom, depending on which way the tunnel is. And then you can slay them down, and it's no big deal. But you have to play the game to learn that. I call BS on that because I tried that. I was like, okay. Call it all you want. My first play's out there, and I show people how to do it. Yeah, I know, but you've also played this game. So I tried to do the same thing, and I was like, okay, let me just retreat into this hall. Obviously, they can't, you know, just jump over me. That's not a problem. And all of a sudden, I kept getting surrounded by them. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay. So they split up into two on one on either side of me. I was like, all right, well, let me just hit the other one. Let me retreat a little bit. Yeah, no, that didn't work because it just split into another one that spawned on that side. And it just, it became an infinite wall of jellies until I died. It was so, so annoying. With Shattered Pixel Dungeon, I found that if you actually lead enemies into doorways, they, it makes them a lot easier and it seemed to be the same way with this game. I actually, the, another time I played it, um, had encountered another jelly, and I led it back into where I knew there was a door. I walked through the door and then let the jelly into the door and then start attacking it. When you do that, they spawn one behind them, but they don't spawn any in the room that you're in, so you can actually take them out a lot faster that way and with less uh, a casualty on your part. Um, my biggest thing, though, was... So, you've got these enemies called jackals and then you've got the pink jellies and they're both denoted as a J. So unless you look over to the left and see what the actual enemy is, all you see is a J and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to attack this jackal. No, it was a pink jelly. Good job. (laughs) So, yes, you can look over to the left, but actually pink jellies are denoted by a capital J and jackals are lowercase. I I just thought they were color. Well, semantics. No, but they're yeah, they're also color coded. Yeah, I, I noticed they were all color coded. So that's well, what if like, you're colorblind? Well, jerk. then you're out of gas. Well, no, because colorblind people can still see whether something is lowercase or uppercase, and they do have uh, a allegedly. Guy of, oh, okay, whatever. What if they're I'm dyslexic? Not get into it, but what if they're <laughs> colorblind or, and dyslexic? Hmm. Hmm. I'll do that. Yeah, that, then they see the J upside do down. What then? Dyslexia doesn't affect you if it's only one letter. You have to have more than one letter for dyslexia to take place. Don't don't ruin my <laughs> joke, please. It was, it's terrible. So shut up. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Uh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> there is a you can get a game a download of this version. There's a couple different mods out there. There's one that actually gives you a first person perspective. Oh, and uh, there's one that gives you what they call uh, a guy by the name of Oryx made uh, graphical tiles for it. So you can play. So your your rats look like little rats and your, you know, uh, jackals look like jackals. But the problem is that's even harder to tell at a glance because like, is that a jackal or a rat? Where to me, the letters make it much more readable. And the other thing I like about this game is it's kind of like. A book so you know when you see a movie all you get is what the director and the actors and everybody are showing you but when you read a book your characters are going to look different in your mind and the enemies are going to look different and the world's going to look different 
And this game forces you to use your imagination because the graphics are so limited. So I, I will praise the game on this is that, so it is very, it does give you a lot of detail on everything that's going on. Like Jeff said, it'll tell you whether the enemy is wandering around, whether it's sleeping, whether it's hunting, and you can try to avoid things from that. Um, and like, even when it, I was using, like I said, I didn't know that you could use the, uh, the keyboard to move around. So I was pointing and clicking. Well, if I wanted to go to some faraway place, well, I would click on it and then it would actually stop me and it would say, Hey, uh, you see a rat, you see a jackal, you see a, what was that one enemy called? It was a K, uh, the cobalts, cobalt. Cobalt, Yeah. So I would see it, you know, you see all these monsters and then it kind of, you had to look around the screen, see it and then go, okay, well, all right, obviously I need to try to avoid it at this point because I'm low health or or wh- whatever the situation might be. You can analyze it from there. And it does do a very good job of letting you strategize uh, by seeing and gives you the status updates of all the enemies around you. And I, I did appreciate that because it did make it slightly easier to get past the first couple floors doing that. You know, you see a sleeping rat or um, the Kolgar or whatever the heck it's called um cobalt Cobalt. i'm gonna give you a a pro tip to get to the second or to get to the third floor every time you ready for this if you hold control and tap a it goes into autoplay and the game on its own playing poorly will get you to the third floor every time if you're having trouble on floor one and two, uh, I don't know what you're doing. I really don't. The first couple floors weren't my problem. It was once I got down to levels three, four, and five that I just got. There's just so right. many, so many enemies, and you know I'm trying to look around for potions. And th- this is probably where uh, my my biggest compulsion is to explore everything. That's probably what got me in trouble because I want to explore every nook and cranny. That's what I've always done in games, whether it be um, like any type of any linear game with like a little uh, like a couple of hidden things. I check every nook and cranny and that got me into trouble more times than not because I would have to fight a ton of enemies trying to get to these items and it may not be worth it in the in the end because, like I said, I would pick up the potions of descent, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Hey, what's this?" I drink it, and then all of a sudden, I fall, and I'm I'm less than half health now, uh, surrounded by enemies. So here's the thing: you you said so yourself. You're like, I didn't know you could throw things. So if you have a potion of descent and you see a jelly coming, if you lob that potion of descent at that jelly. The floor is going to fall out from underneath it, and it's going to drop, and you can move right through. And these are so things that's I wish part I of the did. gameplay. Like all of those, uh, yeah, all of those things have uses. There are two scrolls that actually don't have a use. They are what you would call like troll scrolls, where if you read one, it'll spawn a bunch of enemies, and the other one will awaken all the enemies in the room, and they'll start hunting. So those are useless. Once you identify those, you can throw those away. But potions. The negative effect ones, you can throw at enemies and poison them or whatever that negative effect is. And then the positive ones, obviously, you can drink. Uh, So this is an RPG, so to speak, uh, but there are very few stats. Uh, It's defense, strength, and life, really. And your defense is determined by your armor. Your strength is determined by potions of strength. And that's the closest thing to a level you're going to see because all of your equipment has a level next to it when you pull up your menu so you start off at 12 strength and as you drink a strength potion you go to 13 and 14 and so on and then you can equip better equipment and uh do more damage to monsters and then you have your life potions which are what level up your life and those fully heal you as well as increase your health i think by about 25 percent so those potions those potions are more plentiful and so when you're talking about you don't know what to identify or anything else, your uh, enchantment scrolls and identify scrolls are going to be your most prevalent. So when you start picking up stuff and you get about to the third level and you open your inventory, you're going to say, oh, I got three of those scrolls. That's probably enchantment or identify. I've got a bunch of those potions. That's probably life or strength. And those are the ones you're going to drink first or read first. All right, let's take a uh, short break to 
play some announcements, and we'll be right back. Knights and Nerds is not just an actual play D&D podcast with an original campaign being played by a group of friends who tolerate each other. It's also a podcast where I, the Dungeon Master, talk about how I'm adapting to the choices the players make, as well as revealing to you, the audience, the complex story and deadly twists that I have in store for my players. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or at knightsandnerds.com. We're just going to keep talking until I find 15 seconds of pure gold. <laughs> just try not to cuss. Luke, this feels... Well, he, there it is. He said it. We should probably say that we're the rules lawyers at some point, too, right? You are passing through a what lane of talk... Start again. <laughs> Do you have your character sheet for <laughs> What? Do you not? Uh, well, eleven. But, but okay, but, but, but my question though: Do you have your character sheet? Oh. Where is it? At home. I forgot that it was not in my book. <laughs> halfway here. Yeah. Seventeen. He's not doing a Guy Fieri presentation. He's trying to make a coke. <laughs> Wait for the commotion to escape. Huh? What's her? Who's on that? Bill? Oh, boy, it wasn't me. It was Bill Nye. <laughs> Bill Nye, was it you? It wasn't me. It's my Bill Nye voice. Oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. Here comes the aneurysm. <laughs> I think I got 15 seconds in there. And welcome back to the show. Um, so when I started playing this game, it reminded me, just because of the way the graphics are, it reminded me of our one... Um, our listener Antonin, who is a uh, programmer, developer, and he's posted code on his Twitter various times, and the color scheme and all the uh, all the the symbols and stuff it it looked exactly like code. So when I pulled up the game, I'm like, uh, what am I looking at? But um, as far as this game is concerned, it's a, a completely free to play game. Yeah, it's the first game we've got that doesn't require any payment. You can't put a credit card in anywhere. I think the most you can do is they might have a donate link on the site where if you really like the game, you can send them some dollars to support it. But it is 100% free to play. And it's the first game that we've done where it's just free. Go play it. Even if you hear Cody and you're like, that does sound like trash. There's no reason not to at least try it. It's a small download. um, And it's... If, you, if you're thinking about getting into a traditional roguelike, maybe you've played uh, Binding of Isaac or Enter the Gungeon or Spelunky or these games, and you say, and you want to see where it kind of started, this is the best entry point, in my opinion. That, or there's another game called Dungeon Crawl Stone Soup, which has a lot more graphical interface that you might want to try. Now, because this game does randomly generate all of the levels, um, everything that you play is completely randomly generated. And actually, it's it's very similar to the first Diablo, which was, I guess, a roguelite, would you call it, Jeff? No, because the only thing that makes that game a roguelite is if you play hardcore. And a lot of the... That's really pushing the term, in my opinion. I, st- I, st- I mean, I, I guess if you like... play hardcore, it kind of is, but... I still consider it like any kind of I mean, of it's Diablo. a dungeon crawler. Yeah, I, I would consider that more of a dungeon crawler and loot. What, what it's just more it? of an it's action a, RPG than anything. Well, it's, it's like a loot grinding game where you need to keep grinding the same level over and over again to level up and, you know, find better loot and stuff. But, uh, yeah, th- this game was very... The, the roguelike... Like I said, I, I came from the background of... Enter the Gungeon, and Binding of Isaac, uh, and I even played a lot of Dead. I played a little bit of Dead Cells, and you know, going from that to this was a completely different monster. But I will say there is a ton. Um, I guess that do y'all want to go ahead and jump into the replayability of this? I'm ready. I mean, that's what I was leading into. Yeah, th- there is a ton of replayability to this, just for the simple fact that everything is randomly generated. Um, and Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong. Even if you play one, if you play one round, you figure out what all the potions do, what all the scrolls do. Um, they they generate. It's all of them are different on the next run through. Am I am I wrong? No, you are not wrong. So if you find a gray potion and you drink it, and it's a potion of strength, the next time you play the game, it and you drink a gray potion, it's going to be something different. 
And that also brings up these, this game does have seeds. So if you play an awesome run and you can, you can pull that seed up and send it to a friend and say, Hey, try this seed. I actually got this depth on this point. There's some cool stuff in the seed, uh, and send it to a friend. The other thing this game does as archaic as it looks is it has a replay system. So when you finish a game, you can go back and look at what happened turn by turn. You can get highlights. So like if you finally do something amazing and, or beat the game, you can pull it up and show people, Hey, look, I beat the game and record it and put it on YouTube or whatever. Um, and it also keeps track of your high scores one of the things that the high scores are kind of meaningless. It's more important it, than score is how far you get in your depth uh, because the score is determined by gold, which is really this really weird, like if I'm going to give it a negative thing, it's this really weird scoring system where you'll just find gold and the gold is useless. There's no shops. There's no way to spend it. It's just, it I was wondering really is just there for your score. I, thought, I, I can't pick it up gold because it's on no... the ground. I thought it was like, I thought it was something useful. Like I would find a merchant later on or something. No. It's meaningless. Uh, other than it, wow, it stinks. when you finish the game, it shows it as the score. And to me, that has no bearing on anything. Whether you found a game with a lot of gold in it or you didn't, makes no difference. It doesn't determine how well you did. Your depth, on the other hand, does give you a better indication of how well you've done. All right, well, what do you say, Cody? Does it get your seal? You know what? As hard as I have just dumped all over this game between the difficulty, the graphics, um, you know, just the... It, you just forgot. The... We forgot to mention how good the soundtrack is. There is none. <laughs> there, it's just dead silent. So what I did on my first play is I went to rainwave.com, uh, question mark? Uh, which is a no, uh, gaming something else. Yeah. Okay. Dot something else. But if you search Rainwave, you can find gaming music that is, if you sh play it while you're streaming, you don't have to worry about it getting muted for like copyright infringement. So I played that in the background when Scott was watching, I got into a, a ran into some sort of big monster and he goes, Oh man, the, the music's kicked up and it's just, it's fine. If you like listening to podcasts, which if you listen to this, you probably do, unless we've turned you off of the, the medium. You said, I'm never listening to another one again, but this is a great way to do it. Listen to an audiobook, put some music on and, and just tap away. That's exactly what I did. I listened to some, uh, like some political podcasts that I listen to and, you know, some news podcasts that are, that's just explaining what's going on in the world. Put that on, kept playing the game trying to figure out what's going on and I, it was okay but but yeah we'll, we'll get back to the to the rating system as hard as i dumped all over this game you know what it actually for a completely free-to-play game it's a good time waster if you like so i if, think cody i think you would like this game if you really watch some videos on it like you do like you we've been playing into the gungeon like crazy lately because they just released their final update the farewell to arms and we be getting back into it and you were telling me hey i got the the wiki up i pull this up and uh tells me what these items do and i look for tips if you kind of did the same thing with this i think you'd start to get into it start to uh, enjoy the challenge uh, and enjoy sort of the one of the best things about roguelikes is they're turn based. So you have all day to make that next decision. When you're in a tough situation, one of the worst things you can do in a roguelike is rush, and you get a chance to take your time, get a cup of tea, come back and say, okay, let's do this. I've got this item. I can get out of this situation in this way. So I think you'd really like it if you kind of came back to it, it like if you really put some time in because it is i understand it's not accessible in that way because it's so archaic and it is very archaic with the the graphics and the the learning curve is tremendous in this game so i tried to do this completely blind i didn't look up any walkthroughs nothing i never watched any other playthroughs and i didn't even watch game. mine I obviously I didn't. God, why would I watch your stuff? You're a horrible because person. Because then you can figure out how to beat a pink jelly for once. But you're a horrible person to begin with, and you're not funny. So, and you're not entertaining. 
Actually, I don't really know why you're on this podcast. But anyway, um, fair enough. Know, I tried to go through this 100% blind, and you know, I got my butt kicked. And you know what? At the end of the day, I think Jeff would be right that I would be more into this if because I like a challenge. I do. Um, I like the Dark Souls games. I actually just bought Sekiro, and I love the challenge of it. And you know what? I might actually start taking this uh, with me to like school and stuff. And between days, and now that Jeff's explained some of this stuff to me, I might try to grind some stuff out on it. As much That's as I've the done, beauty of roguelikes. It, as like, much as I dumped all over this game to begin with, I do give my seal of approval just because it is 100% free. There's nothing attached to it, and I love that. It's difficult. There's a lot to, there's a ton of replayability just because everything is randomly generated. And you know what? Why not give it a shot? I mean. So here's the thing if you're at work, these games, like, they can download on your computer. And since they don't actually install the, the, what you download is the game. You just click it and open it. It runs on most computers. Like if you can just get it downloaded on your work computer, it'll run. And the other thing is there's other roguelikes, maybe not so much this one, but there was another one I was playing where it just looks like a DOS prompt and it looks like work because it's just letters and symbols everywhere. And it looks like I'm in there writing code or whatever. And so the boss walks by all he sees, is <laughs> all he sees is an at symbol moving around, punching the letter J in the face. He doesn't know I'm playing a game. It's awesome. Johnson, what are you doing over there? Uh, I'm writing code, sir. I'm writing code, sir. But, but Johnson, very good. Keep it you're up. not a programmer. You do the dishes here. Side job, sir. Uh, well, this got awkward. Um, I can explain. That's where that would go. Then, then you would just introduce us to the introduce his boss to this podcast where he learned about the game. Scott, what did do you give it your seal of approval? Okay. Well, <clears throat> so my second play, I did exactly what you did, Jeff. I opened up Rain Wave and started streaming it. And with the music in the background, it wasn't as bad. But I'm more used to, like, some of the roguelikes that have a little bit more graphical interface. So it was... I My problem was I didn't play it like I do other roguelikes. And that's probably what got me into the mess where I was dying by the third level every single time. I would... I'd say this game is pretty decent. The graphics that it does have with the coloring scheme and everything is actually actually pretty nice to look at and it's uh I agree. It's it's pretty of um, you do. it's almost relaxing to the point. Like I was I was on one level and it was like this huge like almost like an ocean in front of my character and it was almost like had this shimmering effect and um Coconut Wizard was watching me play and he was like, Oh the water's so pretty and I like kinda looked at it and was like, Yeah it's it actually is pretty decent looking um, the one thing I really enjoyed about this game is the names of the scrolls before you yep. <laughs> actually identify them. Yep. They were hilarious. I kept making also up randomly alternate generated. names. And, yes, and I was trying to to pronounce the names, and I had Coconut Wizard just laughing because of just some of the things I did. I was like, uh, there was one I like said something, and I was like, oh, it sounds like an acid reflux medicine because the way it was like made <laughs> yeah absolutely um it's called a nerd yeah exactly it was, it was stuff like that um i would i'm gonna say i'm gonna give this my seal of approval only because jeff talked me into it while listening to him talk about the game and i yes. think that happened to cody as well and it'll probably happen to people who are listening to the podcast as well so yes, I give it to the serial of approval on this one. We can just well, I go. We this game is trash. No, it's it's great. And let me just say, and maybe yeah, just gonna go. It's trash. Me. I tricked you guys. <laughs> there are so like rogue, two stars tra- and gets traditional roguelikes. No, traditional roguelikes as a genre are free and not just brogue. It's not unique to brogue. You can find Rogue, you can find NetHack, you can find Dungeon Crawl, Stone Soup. There's one that is a, that you have to pay for, but there is a free version of where it has just less classes called uh, uh, Tales of Majael. 
which is a really good one. That one actually has sound effects and graphics. And if you need that interface, that's there as well. Uh, one of my favorite roguelikes is called Dungeons of Dreadmore, which is a you do have to pay, but it'll usually be on sale for around five bucks with all the DLC on um, Steam. And that one's my first one. I love it the most because it was my first one, but uh, there's just so many, and there's so many hours on any one of these games of entertainment because they are difficult, but they keep changing. So every time you go back in, you might find something awesome or different. So yes, absolutely my seal of approval. I'm so surprised that all three of you, us, gave it a seal of approval. My mind is alone. <laughs> Look, his brain doesn't even work. He can't even speak anymore. <laughs> I will give it the caveat of that. <laughs> if you're going to get into this, don't... Because, like I said... <laughs> honestly, I was going to just dump all over this game. And I was going to just trash it from the beginning. Because I didn't like it. I was just getting decimated when I was playing through it. But now just listening to Jeff like explaining some of the stuff that you can do. That is a really neat concept. If you're going to do this... You know, play through it a couple times blind, try to figure some stuff out on your own, and then look up some gods and have them help you out. Because I didn't do that because I thought it would make the gameplay and the review more authentic. Yeah, we see how that turned out. Because I was going to just dump all over the game and say, ah, yeah, this game is trash. Don't ever play this. And, and there's a lot more to it that I did that I didn't realize. So uh, yeah, look up some gods. And sometimes and you're probably going to enjoy it. The and sometimes the best way to defeat something in this game is to run away. Throw a confuse potion at it and get the hell out of there because you're just not going to beat it. And that's part of the strategy is to know to pick your fights, make sure they're ones you can win. And if you can't, run away, figure a way to get out of it. On my first play, you'll see I get sort of surrounded at one point and there's a big, there's a big pond of water at my back and you can swim through it, but it empties your pockets. And I didn't want all my stuff to kind of fall out of my pockets while I was swimming and float around in this pool. So I drank a potion of levitation and I floated over the water to get away from it. And sometimes you just have to run away. All right. Before we close out, um, I had uh, pulled up something I wanted to bring up to everybody. Uh, it was on uh, the apex legends, uh, Reddit page, a user only, only 86. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But he uh, he did this post, and it really encompasses the free-to-play mentality um, whenever we're playing games like this where, you know, it may not be... It's free-to-play to play the game, but then they've got all these cosmetics or whatever not to purchase and all that. So this uh, user, he uh, he posted this, and it's the uh, headline is, Over a decade ago, I played Counter-Strike. Each match we won or lost, no XP, no reward. I think we need to ask ourselves why we play a game. And in the body of the text he goes, I guess I'm sad that things have changed and games have, have to drip feed pieces of candy to maintain a happy player base these days. I played hundreds, maybe thousands of hours of CS 1.6. For those who are, don't know, CS was is Counter-Strike. It was originally a mod that was free to download for Half-Life. Okay, and had nothing more than a day one player, except knowledge and skill. The reward was a kill, a win, holding a sight when rushed. I suppose I'm also a bit of a sucker for this since I get caught up in it. I get the, the that buzz when a purple or a gold laser fires from one of the spinning triangles. What's mad is literally every thing that could drop doesn't really bother me that much when i step back i'm playing because i enjoy the game not because my pathfinder is now more pink or my r301 is shiny i think we have might have forget forget yeah sorry i think we might forget the way it used to be and our addiction to shiny rewards tarnishes our true enjoyment of a well-made game so take a moment when you see a lackluster battle pass or no packs after level 100 and ask how much you really care about what it is in an what is really in them and why you're playing in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) 
Are you done? One more second. <laughs> Just one more time. <laughs> Do the Heimlich yourself. I'm done. Do the Heimlich in the back of the chair. Jeff, if I could reach through. Oh, that was a good post. No, that was a good post. But, ah, you know, like what you like. I don't care. Yeah, I, I, I give that up. If your favorite thing about Overwatch is getting loot boxes and seeing that gold drop out and you get the skin you want, that's fine. If your favorite thing about Overwatch is getting really good at the game and getting as high as SR as possible, that's fine. Like what you like. It's fine. Who cares? Yeah, and I'm... I, I like, agree. if both of you came on this podcast and just poo-pooed Brogue to the moon, I'd say, okay, cool. And then I'd boot the game up and I'd have a run and have a good time doing it. Yeah. I, Other I, people's I, happiness and how they interact with games has no effect on me. And I completely agree with that. I mean, I, I disagree with a, a, with a little bit of that post saying that... You know, they have to steady drip feed, you know, cosmetics and stuff to make the player base happy. Um, I play Apex Legends because I enjoy the gameplay. It's it's smooth. It's fun. It's good to jump in with a couple of friends. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I know what he was trying to hit on there. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, if you enjoy a game, play it. Uh, like I said, all the games we do are free to play. If you don't like it, anyway, you didn't lose anything when you're playing it, so it's fantastic. It's a win-win for everybody. You didn't spend any money, and you got to play something. Even if you do poo-poo on it all all day long. Yeah, I, I just felt that that post was almost just epitomizes what our podcast is about. You know, trying out that free-to-play game so that you can find something that you enjoy playing, that you're not having to spend 60 bucks a pop to load it onto your system and play it yeah absolutely and uh and again we will uh refer back to i think it was one of our first podcasts we did was that if you play a game like this and you really really enjoy it toss the developer a few bucks i mean purchase something in game donate to them if you like it keep supporting stuff like this so that we can continue to have stuff like this i i i personally do it with almost every game whether it's you know, five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, whatever it is. If I if I really enjoy the game, I put a little more money towards it. And on that note, Scott, take us away. What are we playing next week? So let's see. Well, next week um, we're gonna welcome welcome to the new age because we're going radioactive. Um, we're gonna be playing. Did you Fallout just make Shelter. an Imagine Dragons oh, reference? Oh God, Scott! <laughs> <laughs> oh my soul! <laughs> make it stop are you guys quite done yes i'm finished hold on a second okay i'm done okay we want to thank you for joining us. If you're listening on iTunes, we ask that you would leave us a review. And if you really enjoyed us, make sure that's a five-star review, stars. of course. You, six stars. No, five and a half stars, right? No. Always include the half star. Oh, okay. Remember that. Yes. Words of wisdom from <laughs> Hit it. You can follow us on Twitter at Budget Arcade. From there, you can join our Discord server. You can send any hate real mail quick, to budget.arcade at gmail.com. Also, music if... is done. Oh, go ahead. What are you going to say? If you're not sick of me, I have another podcast you can listen to. It's called Film Soliloquy. It's on Spotify right now. Uh, Anchor. Tune in. And one other one that I can't think of. Man, that's a movie uh, podcast. No one cares about that. We, we talk about games. Anyway, Film Soliloquy. S-O-L-I-L-Q-U-Y. That's my plug. We talk about games. We talk about games. This is where we live. Talking about the games, not movies. And music is by Stimage. You can download his music at metroidmetal.com. This has been a Little Gray Boy Podcasting Network production. Um, and also Film Soliloquy is part of that network. Right, Jeff? I think so. I haven't checked with Jason. Probably. Yeah, you We're might as well consider. If, professional. If... Uh, yes, sure. Why not? I don't know professional idiots <laughs> we've only got one episode yes. out we don't really know what we're doing we've got nine episodes um, out and we still also, don't know what we're doing there, what does that matter there's a new podcasting app out I don't know if either one of you have heard about it yet it's called I actually Sloot, downloaded S-W-O-O-T. it yeah. 
Um, it's a social media podcasting app. So you connect to all of your friends within your network, on your Facebook, on your Twitter, through your contacts. If they're on Swoot, you can connect to them, and whatever they're listening to, you can look at their listens, and usually, you know, if you want to... if they, if you want a recommendation from them, you can see what they're listening to on a regular basis and maybe check out what they're listening to as well. Um, again, it's S-W-O-O-T. I know it's available for Android. I'm not sure about iTunes yeah, yet. It's like one of those weird ones that I it didn't look like it was on iTunes, which is usually the other way around. Usually iTunes gets the apps first and then us poor Android folks get it later, but... Oh, we're on Stitcher. That's what it was. Very good. All right. And we will be back next week. Everyone, game on. <laughs> I can take that last bark out. I'm stopping recording. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.